Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to ghostwritersandco.com for more information. That's ghostwritersandco.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Harris. Hello, hello, hello. This is Joel Mark Harris, and welcome to the Publishing for Profit podcast. Today, we are interviewing Dan Gilmore of salesstrategy.ca. He is a highly sought-after sales strategist, and we talk, obviously, about sales, but we also talk about how he got into the industry. He started a music company called Organic Music that taught students different instruments. Um, so very interesting conversation, and I actually, I've known Dan for some time now, and I actually learned quite a lot about him in this interview. Uh, there's lots for you to learn about sales and how you can better prospect, better convert uh, your ideal customer to people who actually pay you money, which is great. So have a good listen to this episode and enjoy. Dan, thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Joel. I appreciate uh, you having me on here, man. Yeah. It's an exciting time, and uh, I'm glad to, uh, glad to chat with you. Yeah. I've, I was thinking back to, I mean, I can't remember how many years I've known you, uh, but, you know, it's been some time, and, you know, we met through BNI, uh, and primarily, like, before... I knew you as a musician, right? And I know music is still uh, a big part of your life, but I want to talk about that briefly. Um, What is it about music that inspires you? Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, definitely, you're you're right. We met each other when uh, I joined BNI, when I owned a music school. And now I'm totally in, you know, a new but similar direction. uh, And maybe we can go into that later. But uh, uh, now I'm running a sales business, salesstrategy.ca. And uh, definitely music is a big part of what I like. And uh, it it has always been part of my life. You know, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I remember listening to music with my parents, especially on road trips, you know, growing up, my mom was a piano teacher. And, uh, Uh, You know, I did give her a little bit of a hard time. I didn't want to learn from my mom. I was like, ah, you know. And no one wants uh, to learn from their mom. (laughs) Let's be quite honest here. It's it's tough, but uh, anyway. So uh, I bought my first bass guitar when I was in grade seven with paper root money, and uh, uh, then I went on to play music later in high school, and where I had the opportunity to tour China with the school band. And play in a number of cool music festivals, including like, uh, yeah, just a, a bunch of cool stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I was hooked. I liked the challenge of learning music and playing songs and memorizing stuff. And I loved entertaining people. So I went on to study jazz at Capilano University. And uh, uh, now music is, is still a big part of my life. And uh, uh, I like to connect with people and, and hang out and play music and uh, jam, you know? Yeah. And uh, also I like to play uh, worship music uh, with, uh, uh, I'm a Christian and I play a little bit with some people from church and uh, I love to play uh, worship music as well. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So is is that in um are you in a band like in a band is there a worship band or or what does that look like? Well, not not right now due to COVID, but uh, you know hopefully <laughs> so. when COVID is uh, you know restrictions are back, then I can uh, start to play more with uh, with musicians. Just right now, it's it's more like uh, me playing music, uh, recording one instrument, me playing, then. <laughs> Uh, you know, stop in the recording, playing back the recording, playing along to myself. You know, <laughs> have you seen those YouTube videos? There's a lot of good good musicians who do exactly that, and yeah, it sounds fantastic. Yeah. It's it's fun, but the, you know, there still is something to be said. I like to play more with with people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it's yeah, it's definitely more fun uh, than doing it alone for sure. What what is it about music exactly that hooked you? Well, uh, you know, I guess I, I grew up playing sports and uh, when you're playing sports, there's like that flow state that people talk about when mm-hmm. things are going right and you're in the zone. And uh, really, you get the same feeling when you're playing music with other people. And I really like that. Uh, so that's that's one of the reasons. Uh, I guess another reason is I I like listening to music. I like how people can express and, you know, create art from music. It's a, a big part. And also I, uh, uh, for, for me as, as well now is like, I like to worship through playing music as well. And so that's a, a thing that I enjoy a lot. Nice. And what are some of your influences? Yeah. So influences in music, I guess, yeah. growing up, I, uh, the first music concert I went to, I think, you know, I was a baby my parents took me to a Colin James concert. He's a blues musician. Nice. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I was enjoying that. Uh, for me, I've, I've always really enjoyed, I guess, like blues, more rock. You know, I remember, like I was saying before, uh, on road trips with my parents. Uh, I remember, you know, I'd listen to Led Zeppelin with my dad. Uh, and then also listening to Miles Davis Kind of Blue album. Uh, it's like a modal jazz album. And that's what I thought the entirety of jazz was before I went to jazz school and uh, like funk music, rock, folk. Um, yeah. I yeah. love a whole variety of, of music. Yeah. I just got um, Led Zeppelin four for Christmas. Uh, the actual like record, the LP. So I'm, I'm super excited to play that. Oh, nice. I love Led Zeppelin as well. Um, can you tell us about organic music, which is the music school that you founded? Yeah, for sure. So the organic music concept was to teach students the language of music through learning the songs they love. And uh, that's that's how I really got into music more as well. And I think when people are also able to learn their favorite songs, then it adds a, a degree of another level of enjoyment to, to the learning. So for organic music, all the teachers were required to be able to listen to a student's favorite song in their first lesson, be able to play it by ear right away, and then uh, to be able to teach that song to the student. Hmm. So uh, that's, that's something that I was doing when I started teaching. And uh, that's what I had all of our teachers do as well. Because what's what's better when you say, oh, this is my favorite song. You, you listen to it. Your teacher plays it, you know, or on whatever instrument. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, then right away, they're like, OK, so let's start learning your favorite song. You're like, 
wait, I can do that in my first <laughs> lesson? You're like, yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe we'll make it slightly simpler, like our, you know, easy level rock band version, but, uh, you know, increasing in difficulty as, as you advance. So mm. that's, uh, that's was, I guess, about organic music and the concept of, of organic music. So why did you decide to go the entrepreneur route? Uh, and so, I mean, you could have been a music teacher anywhere. I'm sure it, it, you know, obviously probably now it's, it's a lot harder, but you know, it's much easier to just be the, like a kind of nine to five musician and, and, you know, you know, do that, but you decided to start a company and, and go that route. Why did you decide to do that? Yeah. So like you're saying versus a career of, of yeah. working as a music like a music teacher, teacher like 3, a high school, yeah, like okay, a high school from, music like teacher. School music teacher. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that yeah, seems that, a, a so, much more like, I guess, straight and narrow path rather than what you did. Yeah, I guess, I guess for me, um, I didn't want to, I guess, go back to high school is, is one reason. Uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, the teachers that I did end up working with in organic music did eventually go that route. Uh, so that uh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a very uh, uh, valid and valuable profession. Uh, for me personally, I always wanted to build a business. And uh, that's something that, you know, growing up as a teenager, even, you know, I'd be going and playing music. But then I was, uh, you know, a bit of a strange kid going to the library and studying business books or on leadership, because I liked it. I was super interested in building a business. So this is something that I, I always wanted to do. And uh, at that time, I knew I wanted to build a business, but uh, I didn't have that uh, many marketable skills other than playing music. So I said, hey, you know what, let's go forward with uh, with this one. I'm already teaching anyway. So uh, this is a, a great fun thing to do. And also I, I thought it would be pretty valuable as an education to build a music school and uh, you know, if things ended up working well, then that could be a, a great business as well. Mm -hmm. I know you're very passionate about music and education. Why is it important for a student to not only learn reading, writing, arithmetic, the usual, but also have a musical education? Yeah, so like, I think it uh, teaches dedication and perseverance, and it also teaches there are no shortcuts. So, for example, I remember when I was in school, uh, you know, I was gifted a little bit with uh, being able to remember things in a short term memory <laughs> very well. So, for example, I remember studying before a test, like five minutes before reading through everything and memorizing it for like the next 20 minutes, writing the test super fast, getting a high grade, then instantly forgetting everything. So maybe other people can relate to that as well. But uh, for me, what I liked about music is it, it taught me that uh, uh, there, there is the importance of, of excellence and uh, preparing ahead of time. Uh, if you learn a song five minutes before the performance, you're not gonna fare so well, you know? And for example, like if you get 51% of a song right, it's pretty obvious to the audience that you aren't very good, you know? You have to sound 100% perfect. And uh, when you learn this type of dedication and perseverance, it's highly uh, applicable to developing excellence in whatever job or craft you choose. Mm. 
I, and I know you've had, we've had lots of conversations about this, uh, just you and I, but can you tell us a little bit, you know, I've known, I know you've had a lot of cool moments in organic, uh, organic music. Um, can you tell us yeah. like maybe some of your favorite um, moments? Sure. Absolutely. Maybe I'll uh, tell a couple and you can tell one that you remember. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think one of the coolest uh, moments was the first time when a student I was teaching was accepted into university for uh, uh, for music after their audition. And basically, you know, what happened was uh, uh, this student came and he was very nervous. He had an audition in two weeks to uh, uh, for his uh, university to get in. And he wasn't sure that he was good enough to get in. So he came in and he took a few lessons. And what he was doing before, I taught him brand new things right before. And luckily, he had the craft and skill. And he was dedicated so that over that period, he really worked hard. And uh, he went into his audition and he was playing and he came back out. And right after he came over and uh, I met with him and he's like, oh, man, I think uh, I did really poorly. I don't know if I, I got in. I was like, Oh, well, tell me about what did you do? And he's like, I did this, I did this. And I did this. I was like, it's okay, you'll get in. He's like, you don't understand. I did so bad. I was like, No, you will get in. You're being hard on yourself. And uh, he got a letter, uh, you know, a couple months later, and he's like, I got in, you were right. This is great. And uh, then he went on became a professional musician, uh, touring musician. That's oh, wow. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, an exciting, uh, cool moment. And another really cool, I think a lot of really cool moments uh, happened during our marketing campaigns to introduce children to music. Mm -hmm. For example, like some of the things that I really enjoyed is like lots of babies uh, whose parents, you know, sat them down on the, the drum throne and uh, put the drumsticks in their hands. And then, uh, you know, the the look of shock and joy you know when the baby first hits the snare drum they're like <laughs> oh i can do this this is great you know <laughs> and uh, so i think things like that are, are pretty cool when uh, people who didn't know that they could play uh, you know when when we were able to show them a few chords or a, a few uh, grooves that they were able to play right away and they were like wow this is fun you know, I never thought about this, you know, so I think, I think the introducing people to music is pretty exciting. Mm, that's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, you talked about the, um, your student who became a professional musician and, you know, a lot of parents, like, and it's very similar to writing, you know, people don't think that you could become a professional writer or, um, you know, like a celebrity writer. Mm -hmm. um, I think the the same stigma is surrounds music, right? So, you know, people discourage their kids from, you know, taking music too seriously because they don't see a career in music. They don't, they can, you know, there's obviously that old, you know, I guess um, the old adage that, you know, that those that can't do, they teach, right? So you can become a music teacher, but they don't see a future in music. Is it possible for people to, you know, become professional musicians that aren't, you know, that, that aren't always on YouTube and aren't celebrity musicians? 
Yeah, so there's like music is a pretty broad career. There's a the whole variety of of things that you can be working in. Like you could be an original artist. I think that's what most people think of when somebody chooses a career as a musician. Being an original artist, writing your own songs, your own lyrics, singing and playing guitar or piano. And I think that's what most people think of as uh, a successful music career. Uh, a lot of musicians who are professionals are not original artists. Uh, a very common career track is, for example, like a professional backing or touring musician. So, for example, if you think of your favorite uh, uh, solo artist, it, when they have a band behind them, those people are... I guess they're they're hired backing or touring musicians. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's definitely a valid uh, uh, career choice uh, for people who really like being entertainers. Uh, you're playing covers all the time because you didn't write any of the songs. You're playing the original artist songs. Mm -hmm. And so that's something to keep in mind. If you really like your craft and you really like entertaining, then that's uh, pretty fun. And also, if you want to be a professional backing touring musician, you have to be really good to chill with. You know, that's mm. one of the key things is you have to be able to stand that musician on the tour bus when you're touring across <laughs> the country. Right. So uh, that's pretty important. Then there's also, you know, studio musician. So somebody who is just really good at learning something quickly and then playing it perfectly. And uh, those studio musicians are usually contracted when you're recording an album or something like that. And uh, they oftentimes studio musicians, they don't go on tour. So that's, that's another career option. Another is a songwriter, basically writing lyrics and uh, chords. And uh, now how the songwriting business has, has uh, progressed is oftentimes what happens is the songwriter, they write a song and if they're writing for an original artist, they have to go and hang out with that original artist and do like a co-writing session. Mm. And they basically have to convince that new artist, the original artist, that the or original artist wrote it themselves, even though they actually did it. And uh, then they it's get like, like a co-writing credit. Yeah, it'd be like ghostwriting for musicians. Exactly. But mm. for original artists, usually they have the sense that they really want to uh, do everything themselves. They don't want anybody else to write their songs. So you have to convince them that they wrote enough of the song. So you have mm -hmm. to kind of like write it here and write it ahead of time and then say, hey, I have an idea, but it's not finished, even though it's finished and you just add it later. You know, so it's a tricky thing for songwriting with original artists. And then there's like, um, you know, writing music for films as a composer, then there's more of the entertainer side, which is often what you'll probably see more on like uh, somebody who might be playing music, but they're using it as an entertainment tool, maybe on YouTube. Mm. Uh, and they're maybe pretty funny and easy to hang out with as well. So, or a mix of these, uh, you know, that's, these are all careers and uh, it also depends how much you want to earn. Uh, ultimately, you know, salaries range from, uh, you know, if you're not working in music from minimum wage to significantly mm -hmm. higher and in music, uh, it's like uh, essentially you're starting your own business as a solopreneur. So it's good to consider the economics and uh, uh, how you compare to your competitors. Mm -hmm. So you, you got to be pretty good.
So it's just like anything. <laughs> yeah. So if for people who like, I don't think music is very practical. I want to be a accountant or a lawyer. Uh, is is there are there opportunities in music that you don't think about or the you know the person on the street doesn't even know about? I'm sure. Yeah, this uh, the the industry is changing significantly, especially from disruptions of technology. So I think uh, if you're able to make any entrepreneurs uh, to solve any entrepreneurs problems, then you provide value. And uh, if those uh, entrepreneurs happen to be in the music industry, that's a pretty interesting way to work in the music industry. So figuring out what problems to solve for those Mm. uh, music entrepreneurs. So I think that's a good segue. You, you closed organic music and you started your own sales consultant uh, business. What, why did you do that? What prompted you to, to shift directions like that? Yeah. So like to, uh, I guess to give you context, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a born again Christian and believe in Jesus as uh, my Lord and savior. So Uh, around the beginning of 2019, I was praying and focusing on uh, a couple Bible verses, like one verse, uh, I took a note here, let's see, uh, Colossians 3.23, it says, uh, whatever you do, work at it uh, with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Uh, And also Proverbs 16.9, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And so, uh, Basically, almost overnight around February 2019, I just, I knew that God wanted me to close the music school and open a sales business, but I didn't obey. So instead, I hired a manager to run the business, and that continued until March 2020, Hmm. when I was like, okay, God, you know, I will obey. And so I closed the business and moved fully to focusing on the sales business. And uh, now, you know, I'm, I'm actually earning more than I was with the, with the music school. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, uh, you know, praise God for that. And so I think it's, it's difficult to, to give you a business answer because that's, that's the real answer. So <laughs> <laughs> real answers is great. Yeah. yeah. So then you, I mean, I've known you for, you know, like I said, a while now. And, and you're definitely not the typical salesy guy that everybody thinks about. Obviously, there's the used car salesman um, persona. You know, there's the push, pushy person who's like, buy now, uh, last time, last offer, whatever it is, right? And you are almost the opposite of that. So is there, are there traits that you need to become a salesperson? Yeah, so that's a, it's a good question. Like, I think... People, they oftentimes they don't like salespeople because sales is given a bad name by people who believe that selling is equivalent to manipulating the other person. Mm. And no one wants to be manipulated. And, uh, you know, my business, salesstrategy.ca, we, we don't do that. We focus on being a valuable resource and only selling to people who can truly benefit. And uh, you were mentioning like traits wise uh, to be good at sales. I would say uh, uh, persistence, determination, preparation, uh, trustworthiness, grit. Uh, Grit is a big one. 
like, uh, you know, you have to be able to move on to the next call when a sales call goes poorly. You know, when you're cold calling, if somebody hangs up on you, you have to have the grit to say, okay, next call. And then you know, Hey, how's it going? And, uh, so that's, that's a big one. Grit trustworthiness is also another important one. Uh, sales is about helping people by connecting them with the value of what you were offering. And uh, I believe it comes down to simply that when you promise something, you follow through with it. Uh, that might be counter to what some people think of as salespeople, but uh, that's how I see a, a good salesperson would be somebody who promises something that they know they're going to deliver. And in that way, they're providing great value. And so when you're doing sales with uh, that perspective, you're able to get a lot of uh, uh, sense of accomplishment for helping somebody solve their problem by providing that solution. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. You mentioned cold calling just now. With the changing technology with cell phones, with caller ID, it becomes harder and harder to get people on the phone. Is that still an effective way of uh, doing sales? Yeah, so uh, this is a, I think you, I looked at one of the questions you said, uh, you sent me last week before this interview. And I think it's kind of relevant to, to that, which is, you know, what's the difference between marketing and sales? Mm -hmm. uh, so in order to answer that question, kind of have to think about this question here, which is, uh, uh, you know, how I explained it a little while ago is I was talking to my mom and she's like, what exactly do you do? <laughs> and uh, I told her this metaphor and I think it, it clears up the difference between sales and marketing, which is, is marketing is kind of like a machine gun. You're just like shooting everywhere. Okay. And uh, sales is more like a sniper rifle. It's like for, for one specific target. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, for, for many people who are considering to focus mainly on marketing and to dismiss sales, uh, in my opinion, they're missing out on a great deal of value that they can acquire uh, because oftentimes the best clients are going to be also be identified as the best clients for your competitors. So your competitors are going to also be focusing on acquiring that client. And uh, if you're discounting the uh, sales to, to reach out to them proactively and build a relationship with them, then uh, you may miss out on opportunities because oftentimes those best clients are also in a position of authority or of power because there's so many uh, salespeople who want their business that they don't have to go out and look for people to provide those services. They just sit back, set out an RFP and say, okay, here we go. So ideally what you want in order to acquire that client is you want to build that relationship before they set out that RFP. And you want to make sure that you're that solution that they think of even before they uh, uh, they consider any of your competitors, mm -hmm. so you want to proactively be there to uh, to solve that that problem for them, and uh, the best way to do that is to reach out to them and provide more value than your competitors. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about how you build that relationship with those would be clients? Yeah, so like 
I think uh, a big thing related to that is uh, is really prospecting, like what we were talking about. You could call it cold calling or prospecting or business to business lead generation, appointment setting. Uh, and, uh, you know, my recommendation is that business owners, they spend at least a few hours per week uh, calling a list of, of their ideal target prospects. And uh, it may feel strange at first, but over time uh, uh, and with a little bit of preparation, uh, you can do a, do wonders with this, uh, uh, with this, I guess, duty or, or task or habit. And uh, when you call, you're wanting to provide a little bit of value and say, hey, uh, would you be open to a 15 minute meeting? During this meeting, I'd like to uh, share with you some insights that I've learned that could be beneficial as well. I'd like to see if there might be potential of uh, any issues you're having related to blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, whether you work with us or not, uh, you'll gather some insights and likely make some uh, different decisions in the future and uh, uh, based on this this new information and what you'll find more often than not is people are always looking for an edge so they they often will book that call and uh, if you can uh, if when you when you're on that call if you can help them you can set up a time to talk with them further and if not you want to establish yourself as their go-to resource that can suggest solutions or resources Whenever they have a problem, you want them to come to you. And uh, yeah, so like I mentioned before, your dream clients already have salespeople knocking on their door and competing for their business. So uh, you, you need to connect with them proactively. Mm. And uh, also another thing, Joel, is uh, for, those, for those people who uh, don't want to prospect themselves, uh, sales strategy, uh, my business, uh, salesstrategy.ca, we have a service called business to business lead generation, where we basically become a decentralized uh, sales team of Canadian salespeople, uh, generating you fresh dream clients from your target list. And uh, like, for example, uh, you know, imagine your ideal client profile times a hundred meetings with similar companies. And actually that's what we did with one current client in the past five weeks. So uh, you can check out our website at salesstrategy.ca, email us or send a message on LinkedIn for more info. But, uh, you know, it's it's amazing what you can do with picking up the phone and and genuinely wanting to help the other person and provide them value. Mm. Yeah, I know um, you've helped me with my own sales strategy uh, and you've been immensely helpful. So I appreciate that. Um, and I definitely recommend anyone listening or watching this to reach out to Dan. Um, well, thanks, I want sir. to I want to talk about the prospecting. Um, how does one go about uh, prospecting? Because I think people, you know, especially business owners, they get overwhelmed pretty easily, and if they're not sure how to do it, they just won't do it. So, is there a way where people can? easily prospect or or do it systematically so they know that they're actually getting results this is a quite a a big question joel <laughs> i only ask the tough questions you know yeah, so uh for us we we actually have a uh, 
10 week training uh, session on, on this specifically, uh, which is about 10 hours of training content. So if you really want the in-depth, uh, happy to go over that at another time. But uh, for, I guess the, the quick answer is you want to identify who your target is. You want, uh, based on a series of criteria, do they meet this criteria? Maybe level of revenue, maybe business type, maybe job title of your target. Uh, you want to create this list of people you're going to reach out to. Then before reaching out, you want to know what you're selling. So make it clear what your value proposition is. Make it clear what your scope of your service is. Oftentimes, this is where small business owners uh, really fall is, is they offer everything. And when you offer everything, it's almost like you offer nothing. Uh, because then your prospect has to create the scope and that takes a lot of work to figure out how much you're going to do and for how much money. So know ahead of time exactly what work you're going to do and how much you're going to charge and what is included and what is not. And uh, once you know that, then you want to put together maybe a, a quick uh, script or at least an outline of what you're going to say. And uh, you might, uh, you're going to put in there a quick overview of maybe the category that your scope addresses uh, or, or what your service provides, uh, the, the category of it. You're not going to explain the whole category when you're prospecting. You're just going to give a quick something interesting, something that will pique their interest, where they're like, hey, this guy, this could be interesting. Maybe this will solve my problem. And uh, you also want to mention a couple pain points. Maybe, oh, excuse me there. Uh, maybe you're experiencing uh, you, in your script, you might say, maybe, uh, you know, oftentimes we help people who are experiencing X or Y or struggling with a uh, common, insert a common uh, problem your ideal target struggling with. And uh, then to, uh, to share that, Hey, uh, you know, I'd like to book a 15 minute call with you where we share some insights related to blank, uh, you know, whether or not you meet with us or what, whether or not you do business with us, uh, you know, you'll, you'll have some, a different way to look at X or Y in the future. And you'll likely make some different decisions. Uh, you know, what does date at time look like for a discovery call? Mm. And then you wait. And oftentimes people say, hmm, let me look at my calendar here. Uh, you know, if not, there might be a couple more uh, questions that they ask you to address to make sure that uh, they're making good use of their time. But if you're truly providing them value and, uh, you know, your ideal target really wants the insight that you're providing, you have a good chance of success at generating an appointment. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's super valuable information. And, you know, one of the reasons that I really enjoy working with you is because you're very structured and you're very organized, whereas I'm sort of fly by the seat of the pants kind of guy. Um, you know, I'll call up a prospect and I will, you know, some, you know, sometimes be men making stuff up on the spot and be like, oh, you know, maybe I'll charge you this and and maybe I'll do this for you. And it always blows up in my face because I'll get off the phone and I'd be like, oh, why did I decide on that? Why did I say that? Why did I decide on that price? But your process is, it seems 
well, I know it's very systematized. It's very much, you know, create your, your customer avatar, uh, figure out what packages you're going to sell. Um, so I guess my question is this, have you always been that structured in your approach? And is that an important aspect to sales? Yeah, so I guess uh, jumping back uh, a tiny bit, uh, you mentioned that uh, you are coming up with things on the spot. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that I found over time that people want to do business with other people is that uh, you're you're a uh, uh, a valuable your time is really valuable or your insights are really valuable or whatever you deliver is really valuable. And one way you can prove that what you're doing is really valuable is by turning people down saying, mm -hmm. no, uh, actually we don't do that. And here's why. And they'll say, wow, this person knows quite a bit about what they're doing. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes what's, uh, if you know exactly what you're talking about and have a really clear idea of what you're looking to deliver, they know that what they're going to receive is, is going to be of quality and going to be organized. Mm. So uh, uh, to answer your question, have I always been organized or, you know, is this, uh, is this something new? I think I've, I've always liked organizing uh, things, you know, whether it be like uh, when I was a kid, I think I had like trading cards, you <laughs> know, uh, and uh, I think being on a, a team is also even more fun to be uh, uh, organizing things together. So whether it be like now it's, you know, organizing processes or uh, like, uh, I guess processes summarizes yeah. it up, organizing processes and systems. And uh, I've, I've always felt a sense of accomplishment when organizing things. But uh, now that I have a team uh, at sales strategy and uh, we're growing as well is, uh, uh, a lot more fun than organizing by myself, similar to music. It's more fun with more people. So uh, putting that together, uh, the uh, the joy of, of or sense of accomplishment of organizing something that you know will be of value to another person. Uh, I like it. It's good. Hmm. This is probably a question you get a lot. Uh, it's probably more complicated than I will make it seem. But, you know, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, they're looking for some sort of edge and something that they can do immediately. So my question is this, is there a couple things or if, what are a couple things that like a business owner can do by themselves immediately that will increase their sales? Prospecting. Hmm. Just more prospecting. <laughs> that sounds easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's that's where the grit comes in, right? Like to be honest, to make a telephone call doesn't take that long because mm -hmm. maybe it'll be a one-minute call, but the outcome of the call is where you want it to be valuable. So, planning your call ahead of time and then making that call, I think, is is a good thing to do because uh, if you have it planned ahead, then you won't feel like you're uh, coming up with things on the spot or mm. accidentally promising something that maybe you shouldn't have promised because you will under deliver for the price that you promised. Or, uh, or maybe also, uh, yeah, so I think, I think prospecting 
And what's something that somebody can do to increase their, uh, their sales right away? So prospecting number one, and then after prospecting, getting more grit. Mm. Because when you're prospecting, maybe you took a one hour time block. Oftentimes people will book one hour of time blocking, but instead of calling for one hour and making, making calls, they're checking Facebook, you're looking at your emails, you know, you go get some water, you know, whatever it happens some coffee. to be. Yeah, I'm guilty. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I did one hour of prospecting. <laughs> no, you spent 60 seconds on the phone making one call and then you, you left. So uh, that uh, the grit of if you feel like uh, you want to stop, uh, you know, the dedication, perseverance, and grit to, to go forward. And also for somebody who, uh, I think for, for you, if you are really believe in what you're providing is valuable for your clients, then uh, I think also knowing that you are helping people, you're not selling them, you're helping them, mm. you know. So selling being trying to manipulate and helping being your helping solve one of their problems and when you know that you're helping them then you you if they say no it's like well i would really like to help you in this is your internal talk i would really like to help you and if you don't want to work with me for now that's okay but maybe i'll check back in the future because i know this would really improve your life quality uh, whether it be making your business easier in some way or making your life easier in some way. And uh, so I think that's, that's definitely something that people can implement right away is your self-talk, your, uh, you know, increasing your grit and uh, uh, also doing more prospecting. Mm. How do you get over the fear of rejection? Because I think that's one of the main reasons People don't do the prospecting. They don't want to be rejected. They don't want to feel that, like that icky thing in their stomach. So is there a way that people can get over that? Well, the easiest way to get over it is to hire somebody else like salesstrategy.ca to do the, to do it for you. But if, if you prefer to do it yourself, to get over that icky feeling of feeling rejected, I don't think there's any way to get over the icky feeling of feeling rejected. But when you have grit and when you have positive self-talk of saying, hey, you know what, you're really helping the people that you provide the service to, uh, then you know that you have a mission worth suffering a little bit for. And uh, uh, also to know, yeah, to really just to know what you're doing it for and to make sure that that is greater than the feeling of, whatever it happens to be like for, for me, I, I don't have that same, you know, uh, way of looking at it. For me, I, I believe that, uh, you know, there's, uh, going back to Christian faith again, there's mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, you know, the great commission of, of sharing the gospel. And, uh, there's also the great management commission laid out in Genesis one. Okay. Mm -hmm. And basically that's, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to really try and paraphrase it, but essentially it's being a good steward over what God has given you stewardship over. Hmm. And uh, for me personally, I believe, uh, you know, 
when I felt that God wanted me to start a sales business, that that stewardship is in helping uh, organizations or businesses or government agencies uh, increase their impact by connecting them with other people and helping them close opportunities to uh, to provide more of a positive impact. So mm. for, for me, like what I do is I make sure I'm selling something of real value. And uh, then I also know that, you know, I'm, I'm doing things for God rather than for man. And so that uh, that weight is much higher to continue going than the negative feeling of uh, suffering when I get rejected on the phone uh, frequently. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to wrap it up with maybe one last question. And and this is something I ask all my guests. And that is, do you have a favorite book or a book that has influenced your life? Yeah. So I think uh, business wise, again, you know, coming back to Bible, the book of Proverbs, uh, you know, I feel it's filled with wisdom and sound business principles. I've read it over and over in different translations, and uh, each time I learn something, something new that I should be implementing. And uh, also, uh, I really like uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, uh, about uh, which is about leadership and uh, discipline. And uh, yeah, those are I would say my two favorite books right now. So, so the Bible. What um, what business principles do you get? from it because I'm I'm curious about this yeah so actually I have over here let's see here I have to take off my headphones for one second my uh my sister for Christmas gave me this uh proverbs like illustrated version oh, yeah. which is kind of cool and uh basically like when you're when you're reading through the book of proverbs it's like in the first chapter it says like in the second verse it says this uh uh first and second these are proverbs of solomon david's son king of israel uh their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise and their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right just and fair so I would say the the book of Proverbs is kind of like a lot of common sense stuff that a Jewish father would pass on to a Jewish son mm-hmm. or daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, so these are these are a lot of like uh, common, I guess, common sense. That's not common principles. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've, I found great value in uh, in learning from those Proverbs. So. Mm. I would say uh, I wouldn't do it justice describing it, but uh, hopefully that's piqued your interest enough to uh, check it out and sure. uh, see uh, see what chapters. Uh, my favorite are the, the beginning, I think like seven or eight books and the last seven or eight. The meaning, middle part is a little bit tougher to, uh, to get through, but uh, the beginning and the end, definitely you can apply a lot of that stuff to your business right away and you will see a difference. So, mm. so- yeah. I know I said that was going to be the last question, but I have, I have one follow-up and that, yeah. so, so the quote you just read, what, what do you get from that? What, what's, is it, does it go back to grit or what, yeah. what meaning do you take from it? 
So let's see here. So I think, let's see if I can find a, a good one here, which is, I think like, for example, here, like this, this is a good example of, uh, I guess, for, for people who often want to really follow their own advice rather than listening to others. Mm -hmm. So from verses eight and nine, it says, uh, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. When you learn from them, uh, what you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. So to, to me, that, that looks like, you know, when you're getting advice from other people, uh, don't discount it right mm -hmm. away, you know, and uh, also make sure that the people who are giving you advice that you're listening to uh, have your best interest in mind. Mm -hmm. And the thought I think there is that uh, your mother and father do have the best interest in mind. So you want to make sure that when you're getting advice, you're getting advice from people who do have your best interest in mind. And, uh, uh, also, in this case, I think uh, uh, traditionally in the uh, biblical times, you know, the father and uh, father would be essentially running the family business, mm. whatever it might be, like, for example, being a shepherd. And then uh, the sons would grow up uh, learning their father's business. Mm -hmm. So when you are listening to the uh, uh, the father or listening to somebody who really knows their craft really well, and they also have your best intentions, don't ignore their advice. <laughs> <laughs> so I think those are some good, uh, good things to mull on. And that's only two verses. So it's a lot of nice, uh, good advice in there. And uh, if people are not following this advice already to, you know, seek somebody who really has uh, a great knowledge in, in their craft uh, that also, you know, has uh, their best uh, interest in mind. I think that's uh, you want more of those people on your team Definitely. Uh, to mentor you or you can ask them advice from time to time. Definitely. Well, I think that's a great place to end it then. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, for people who want to reach out to you, who want to learn more about sales, where can they find you? Yeah, they can uh, find me at salesstrategy.ca. Or they can also uh, send me an email at uh, dan at salesstrategy.ca. And that's, uh, that's salesstrategy.ca. So S-A-L-E-S-S-T-R-A-T-E-G-Y.ca. -E Perfect. Yeah. And just, uh, I know being on the receiving end of several sales calls from you, uh, they're super effective, you know, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of us get sales calls all the time, but yours really stand out as excellent and obviously purchased many products from you over the years. Highly recommend you to all my listeners. Um, so definitely email him. Definitely check out his website. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, Have thanks. a great day, man. Yeah. Take care. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.